There are the boys in the back room. We have a guy who works in the back, Eric Jones. He's the big German. Be nice to Marvin. He'll be taking your calls today. A couple of weeks ago, Dylan was getting us breakfast. Now he's doing graphics on this program. You know who? Blame Mario. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the uh, backroom guys are not allowed to eat until 12.15. You are now listening to the 12.15 Club. Back at it again for another edition of the 12.15 Club. It is Mutt Ariel here on the mic. Joined as always by Eric the Big German, Marvin the Prince, Dylan the Graphics Guy. We got Paul in the building with us today. Paul, thank you for uh, sitting in with us. Glad to be here. I, you know, Fritzy was like Charles Grodin, the letterman. <laughs> he was there every three weeks. Feels like I haven't been here in a while since that one time I kind of forced my win at, in as I was trying to get a couple t-shirts out of the back. Yeah, we, we like to, you know, there's topics. We don't want to like overuse you. Todd, I mean, he just comes on and he talks the entire time. So. It gives you guys a break. You guys can ask yeah. two questions. 20 minutes later, you're done. Yeah, exactly. We like to, you know, there's, there's, pick our spots with you, as we'd say. Uh, we wanted to have you on for a couple reasons. Um, you know, this new version of the Dan Patrick Show, producing now without McLovin. Um, let's start there. What has it been like producing without McLovin, who's been, who's on the show for so many years? Um, different, but not like uh, bad, not in a bad way. I think when people say different, you think negative. So the day McLovin left, I think it was less than 10 minutes after he exited the building, Dan circled us up and said, what do you think we should do? Like in general, more about the on-air cast stuff. And Dan had some ideas, and I said, you know what we should do is nothing whatsoever. And the other guys looked at me kind of funny. I was like, let's do nothing. Let's finish out the year. Let's go on our vacation, which we take every post-Christmas. And we come back, we'll, we'll figure it out. Because I think sometimes in this industry, when someone leaves a show, and I'm not, I haven't worked on that many shows, obviously, you're, we got to replace them, we got to replace them, we got to replace them with someone just like them or someone completely different. Calm down a little bit. This is a sports radio and talk show. It's not a surgical team. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of calmed down and let January kind of start. And then uh, when we went to the Super Bowl, Seton's like, let's get Marvin in to be on the board, just on the board, for the technical reasons of our Super Bowl trip. And then I think, Marvin, you did the board the week before the Super Bowl. Is that correct? I did, yeah. That was your first week there. It may have been Tuesday or Wednesday of that week. I just walked over to Dan's side and Seton had brought this up, but I brought it up in the moment on the show that day. I, I go, let's, uh, let's just open Marvin's mic at some point. Dan goes, all right. That was the entire conversation. Now, there was some behind-the-scenes conversation. I know Dan brought up Marvin, or Seton brought up Marvin uh, a week earlier, and uh, that was it. We didn't overthink it. We're like, Marvin has done some stuff for us before, uh, especially on the um, the Emmy Awards shows. Mm-hmm. He, I think he gets on air, you know, and we didn't overthink it. It just, let's, let's try this out. And by not making it some grand announcement, to be candid with you, Marvin, we could undo it. If you, those, Marvin didn't work out those first two weeks, we could easily rotate it in Eric or Dylan or Mario or blank, blank, blank. But once you commit to someone like, here's the announcement, the new person on air will be Marvin. You're Mm -hmm. stuck with that. And I think too many shows go that direction. We kind of like. See what happens. And it feels like it's great. Eric? I love that everyone thought like it was going to be this big search and we'd have tryouts and all that stuff. <laughs> and instead, it's just like, eh, why don't you just, you know, you sat here for two weeks. You know, just keep sitting here. We'll see how it goes. Well, it's it, funny. It's like searching for uh, a car or a house and you look all over the country, but you don't look right down the street. Marvin's right there. You guys are right there. It was going to be someone, in my mind, someone in this building. And let's start there. And then if that doesn't work out, that's easier to fix. And what if we hired someone from, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he or she moves out here and relocates, and three weeks later, you're like, this doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. 
Also, the other thing about anyone who comes on air with us, you have to know the history of this show. Now, you guys have not been here for 10 years, but I think, Marvin, you're what, at least five years in, right? Probably? I think three, okay. maybe. Three yeah, years, okay. Three. But that's enough to get a lot of the jokes and the history and the backstory of us. If you watch someone here cold off the street who's not an expert on our show, I, I think it would show immediately. Has it been a challenge as all, at all as a producer try, trying to um, develop Marvin as an on-air personality? No, I, th- I think that's the opposite of what I'm going to do. I'm going to let him go where he feels comfortable and not tell him what to do. I, I, I've given him a couple lines that I thought fit Marvin, but I've done that with everybody on every show since I started. Like one time I had an idea for a line, but I was like, this will be way funnier if Marvin says it. Mm-hmm. So I just whispered to Marvin. Marvin put his own spin on it, and it was good. But otherwise, it's all him. It's all the other guys. Eric? One thing I notice, I have to watch the camera, so I watch a lot of the visual cues. You historically would look to Seton, and, and you have a big look because of your one eye, yep. right? And look to see, like if you said something, and Seton would always laugh, and like it was kind of like a barometer, I think. But Marvin has this look on his face that I've talked to him about all three years that he's worked here of just like as though someone had just stolen his dog or something like that. <laughs> and I want, does that affect you at all? Because like you look over sometimes and Marvin's just like dead-faced. No, that's okay. That, that's usually the true barometer of how the show is. If, if we're not laughing, that's probably there's nothing funny going on, and you should change the topic or change the, the flow of the show. But I've caught Marvin laughing a bunch of times, and now I think he knows how to laugh on air How because we are Dan's audience and we are each other's audience. Um, I may laugh not harder. It's not a fake laugh. It's a more accentuated laugh. Like if someone – if, if Seton has a good line in the back, I'll – you know, I'll, and I'll give him like a thumbs up or I'll give him like roll with that little hand cues like this bit's working let's keep rolling with it and it's it's a sports radio it's a radio thing on the on the tail end of that or the opposite of that when todd goes on like a tangent and you can't stop him how do you make that attempt to um well since mclovin left it opens up a lot of airtime because mclovin was i think if you said words per show it would probably been him after Dan, of course. Mm-hmm. Him, then me, then Seton, Fritzy, Tide. I don't know. But there's a lot of room on the air. And I think Fritzy, maybe in uh, January, was overcompensating a little bit and really trying to press the gas to the point where like he was running out of breath and doing that stuff. <laughs> and Todd is a very funny person. And Todd either hits home runs or strikes out, which is great for what we do for a living. You don't want anyone who's just kind of like, Hey, uh, and then the, the Cubs won last night. No, no, I, you got to have something very funny or, or very awful. You know, it doesn't work. And that's what Todd is, a home run strikeout guy. And when he kind of gets his pace and controls and picks his spots, as he's done a lot more in the past four weeks than he did in January, uh, you could see what's happening on air. I don't care who makes people laugh. If it's, if it's all Fritzy and Seton and Dan and I'm kind of just pressing the buttons and stirring the drink, that's fine with me. Uh, I don't care. I really don't. I like having one-liners and making jokes, but sometimes the joke works better if it's from somebody else and someone else's day. Like Marvin had his day with the hands thing, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, I mean that uh, you couldn't write a better bit. You couldn't plan that if you as a producer. I had the day a couple weeks ago where I mentioned I dated a girl with one leg in college. I, I I've known Dan for twenty years and he didn't know that story. I don't have that many he doesn't know. So it, it's just it's you don't know from when we come in tomorrow or Monday. You don't know whose day it's going to be to have that, oh, my gosh, that was something that I remember, as long as someone has it. You talk about, like, not having a plan sometimes. You just kind of find your way into a topic. 
couple weeks ago or last week, uh, it was kind of discussed on social media whether or not the show is scripted. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think you have to uh, – I've had people ask me about that. Like I'll be at a dinner party or a cocktail party or whatever or a neighborhood party, <clears throat> and, and someone will ask me what I do for a living or they, they hear I work on the show and they're a fan. They say, like, who, uh, who writes the show? Who scripts the show? I'm like, scripts? And they're like, yeah, like who writes – I go, well, it's three hours of talk. I go, three hours – in a movie that's three hours long, like Schindler's List, that that um, that script is like two hundred pages, two hundred. Mm-hmm. So that means someone on in this property for to, let's say tomorrow is Friday would have to write two hundred pages of content to get through one three hour show. And I explained to people that way. I'm like, imagine this was a movie and we had to write a script for. It's not possible. Um, I I teased that a couple weeks ago that. Um, We've had some fill-in hosts who try to script stuff. Mm-hmm. Mike Florio, who's had a fantastic career, he's doing well. He's getting better every year. The first time Mike Florio of NBC filled in for Dan Patrick, he was—I wouldn't use the word nervous. He was trying to prepare with everything he had. He had a week to prepare. He comes walking in in the morning, and he and I are sitting there, and it's his first ever national talk radio show. And Florio has eight pages front and back of small writing. Like he had written out the segments basically verbatim. And then he was going to not, not read them, but he almost like semi-memorized them. He's a former lawyer. I guess you're always a lawyer, but he has a very good recall. And I go, are you going to, you're not going to read these on the air? And he goes, no, but I, I basically wrote my segments. I'm like, I go, you know, that's going to last you about 45 seconds before we make a left turn and start making fun of your hair or have making fun of the Knicks or making fun of the Jets. And then you're going to be like, how do I get back to my script? And you're never going to get back to these pages. He does the show. He does great. He had fun. Lots of stuff. He walks to me after the show. He goes, I didn't use 95% of what I wrote down. But he also said he felt very prepared. There's a muscle memory thing where if you write stuff down, mm-hmm. it prepares you. One of the best on-air hosts, in my opinion, in the country is Chris Fowler of ESPN. And Chris takes these blue note cards, and he writes and writes and writes. And he has them near him when he does college game day and other shows. But what he does is he takes a peek. Right before the segment, he goes, yep, yep, yep. That's all the stuff I wrote down all week with my prep. Then he puts it over so you can't even see it. And Chris crushes it. And that's a good prep technique, too. Dylan, last question because we're going to wrap after this. I'm one. okay. Um, I was say, it's kind of like the same principle as like cramming before a test, right? Like it, you try and overload on information, and then it just totally backfires. Yeah, it paralyzes you. Like as opposed to doing the more sounds like you're a veteran of this. <laughs> yeah, I actually <laughs> just guess and reach it for straws. It may be shocking, but I am. Formerly, it, it's funny as you get older. Remember in, in high school and college, you you wouldn't study at all for a month, and then you cram for the test, and you feel so ill prepared. Yeah. Once in a while, especially on this show, I'll, I'll walk in and we're very prepared. Like we've got ideas. I've I've written stuff. All the guys have written stuff, and you go and completely prepare for a show. It's so relaxing. I wish someone had told me when I was fifteen, like you know, if you studied, you wouldn't freak out every Friday when there's a testing class and, and scramble for your C. They probably did tell me, and I didn't listen. <laughs> what else is going on in the back room, guys? Where's the drama these days? I don't know if there's much drama. There was some drama with Marvin. We felt like we, he was betraying us a little bit. I think, Marvin I think was we've mad gotten over that. He was mad at me. Did he know about that? Actual mad? Real mad? Actually mad at me. Mad at you? At me. For, Last for, week um, for the pie. He didn't like that I put the pie on top of his head. Well, now Marvin doesn't have a lot of hair. Yeah. If I had a good head of hair that was fixed up and someone put hit me in the face with the pie and then double dipped it on the head... I think you did go just a little over the line because you did a double whammy yeah. face then head. That said, it's good TV, Marv. So uh, sometimes pushing it is good TV. 
and good TV comes before your hair. No offense. You're right about that one. But you know what you do? All you do is lie in wait. Don't ever say you're mad at someone. You lie in wait. And then there'll be a day when you convince Mario to make a bet, and you get to hit him with symbol pies, as I call them, with two from symbol each side, pies. and you put it into his ear canal. Try getting lemon meringue out of your ear canal. I, that you, happened you to kids me. at home. That happened to me last time I was here, and I had like pie in my ear for like three days, four right. days. And yeah. no matter how much I washed. Nostrils is bad, but ear canal is real tough. You're Q-tipping it for three days. What's the worst part of getting pied for you? I've only gotten a couple. Um, it's actually a real easy process. You, you get hit, you wipe it off. Sometimes you smell bad. I think the worst, not the worst thing I've done for the show, we did a bit once where I wore a fire suit, and we were in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl, and Tony Stewart called and let me take one of their cars around. Not an Indy car, but like a pace car. Mm-hmm. And we shot a couple laps, a couple hot laps. And I, I probably went like 120 or something, but it was very cool. Then as part of the bit we shot for the DP show is they poured a, a thing of milk, which is what you do when you win the Indy 500. So I'm wearing this fire suit, and it was actually a warm day for you know, February in Indianapolis, and I poured a whole jug of milk on my head, and it went down like into my ears, into my back, all the way down my body, and I had to wait to get back to the hotel. And so for like an hour, I was just soaked in, in lukewarm milk, and the smells are starting to change. Yeah. And then I got to take the fire suit off, and it's sitting in my room for like three days, and the room smells. And that was one that was unpleasant. Yeah. You, you, would you prefer to do a pie or like a shower shame? Because you guys kind of moved away from the shower shame stuff. Yeah, I think the shower shame had a great run. I think we ran out of new items on there. That were, or even the uh, wheel punishment. Yeah, wheel punishment. Um, I had to do one where I cut a lightning bolt, had a lightning bolt caught in the back of my head. And that was, you know, that lasts for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, be careful about bringing back the concept of Wheel of Punishment, because once it leaves this room and goes to Dan, which he's probably going to listen to this right now, it could be reinstated in the near future. And just that's how things work around here. Yeah. Once Dan gets something in his head, it's uh, hard to get it out. Right. Marv? All right. Just to uh, switch gears a little bit, the Randy Johnson interview, was that the most shocking, shockingly good interview that you've ever been a part of, like in a long time at least? It's interesting. For those who don't know much about Randy Johnson, he was surly, mean, grouchy, didn't like the media, didn't like to talk, didn't like to do interviews. The first time we have Randy Johnson on, this is a million years ago, he threw a no-hitter, perfect game, and he was a Diamondback at the time. It was for the Dan Patrick show back in the ESPN days. And we asked the Diamondbacks PR guy, who was a guy we really knew well, he passed away, oh, he was a great guy. And he goes, big unit said he'll come on your show tomorrow if you have the catcher on with him. The catcher was a rookie. He was a kid named Robbie Hammock. Wow, nice pull. Um, he was like his seventh game in the bigs and he caught Randy Johnson throwing a perfect game or a no hitter. I think it's a perfect game. And you know how rare that is. So Randy uh-huh. Johnson agreed to come on our show if we had Robbie Hammock co-interview and he was doing it to promote the kid, Yeah, you know, give him some due too. Cause he called the game mm-hmm. and I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Randy Johnson. Maybe he's not a jerk. Maybe he's not a bad guy. Maybe he's just intense. And then we didn't have him on too many times later. And I think the next time we had him on that stood out to me is we were interviewing Joe Torrey. He was at a restaurant in Japan couple years ago and Joe Torrey agreed to do an interview but he forgot that he's in Japan and he calls in uh, the phone signal was fantastic by the way which is kind of stunning and uh Dan asked Joe Torrey he goes where are you at right now he goes oh I'm at this uh overseas tour to promote Major League Baseball he goes who, who are you with he goes oh, I'm sitting here eating with Randy Johnson at a steakhouse he goes let me talk to him and he puts on Randy Johnson Randy Johnson probably had a couple beers or wines and was at a steakhouse and was talking to us and it was fun and funny and, and we all look at you like what the where the hell did that come from so today is like the natural evolution of it, but it, 
I bet if you're sitting out there listening and you're an old school Randy Johnson fan, you're like, I, I just never heard that before. Yeah, he was like, I mean, I've listened to him before, obviously, and it was completely. I listened to him like two weeks ago on Mad Dog Show, right? And he was, you know, forthcoming, but he wasn't as forthcoming as he was today. I don't know what it is. I hopefully we have an atmosphere here where you can cut loose. If that's, you know, that could be it. Eric, so we had Charles Barkley on yesterday, Thursday, and Dan and I off air had been talking about, well, can we do Super Bowl show from Charles Barkley's house and da da da. Yeah. And then kind of the script got switched a little bit, and he's like, you can come for a couple hours one day, (laughs) which is still, I mean, super generous, obviously. And then the opposite with Randy Johnson being like, you can have carte blanche, blah, blah, blah. So, but I feel like if we go to Randy Johnson's and then we also go to Charles Barkley, is that a problem? Like if we do like, oh, we're just going to tape at Charles Barkley's house, an interview or something. No offense to Randy Johnson, but that would be a big insult to Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley's been mentioning this for five or six years that I can remember. So we're going to pull something together out there in Arizona. I don't know what we're going to do, but we are going to do something. We're not going to pass on this opportunity. Years ago, we this is a good story that I don't know has ever made air, maybe. We were out there for the national title game. Dan and Sean Salisbury were doing the pre-half and post-game show, and we had the um, the Fiesta Bowl, and we had the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the Dan Patrick show out there for four or five days around the Fiesta Bowl national title game. And we ran into Charles Barkley, or I think we had him on our show, but it was a phone call, and he was out. He was doing TNT in Atlanta. And Dan, at the end of the call or end of the segment, was on the phone with Charles, like, personally. And Charles goes, yeah, I'm coming back into town. He goes, what are you guys doing for New Year's Eve? Dan's like, nothing. We're going to, you know, do whatever we're going to do. But we didn't know anybody out in Arizona. Charles goes, I'm, I'm having a party. Charles rented out a little pub down the street from his house. Got town cars for everybody. I'm talking, I'll bet there were 60 Lincoln town cars outside the party. To make sure everyone, nobody drank and drive. Make sure you're getting the right one. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> huh? Depending on which one you get in, you can have a great night. Let me These tell are you. all the same. But Charles Barkley hosted a party, and for like, there's a bunch of ESPN people and Fox people and friends and family, and to see him cut loose and everyone was seeing the Chuck. He's that kind of guy. He, there's there's zero fake about him. Um, I ran into him in an airport once. We were leaving Minneapolis. Remember Super Bowl? We did the Monday show. Mm-hmm. Didn't or no? We did. We did Monday. Yeah. We did Monday? Yeah, we did Monday for for Super Bowl because Dan handed out the trophy. Yeah, and or maybe that, it may have been the Final Four. I don't know what it was, but we were in Minnesota using that set, and we were flying home when everyone else was flying there. So that may have been the the Final Four show we did there. Yeah, I think I was here because we were finishing up the studio build. So we're and all, it was Friday. We're all jumping on flights to get out of Dodge, and Charles Barkley's flying in. I'm walking through the Minneapolis, Minneapolis airport. I see Charles walking, and there's probably 30 people behind him trying to get pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, we just basically ran into each other almost. And I said hi. He goes, "Hey, boy, where, where, where's your crew at?" And uh, I go, "Oh, they're they're all here at the airport." He thought we were landing. He goes, "Oh, great." He goes, "Let's go to the hotel. Let's go to the bar and get a drink." There's a bar like 50 feet away, like a TGI Fridays or something. <laughs> I go, "Now?" He goes, "Yeah, now. Get you guys." Like he was, he was probably on his way to an airport or a production meeting or I'm sorry, a hotel. And he goes, "Let's get a beer." I'm like, I, "I'm getting on a flight right now." He goes, "You're leaving?" I'm like. Yeah, we've been here for the past three days. He goes, everyone else is coming into town. You're leaving. You and your guys are leaving. He's like, oh, man. And he was all bummed out. But he was like ready to rally the, the crew, yeah. get Dan and you know, the rest of the guys and go to the TGI Fridays and knock out a couple drinks. And that, that's Charles. We've talked about this, I think, like off mic or you know, not mm-hmm. on the air. What makes him, and you've told me this and the guys, what makes him your favorite guest on this show? You're always going to get honesty. You're always going to get something. Like it's a guarantee he's going to jab someone make fun of someone tell you a story you haven't heard give you an honest answer like we've asked him some awkward stuff about like why are you and michael jordan not friends anymore and he mm-hmm. answers it and dan's not scared to ask but 
Charles is just one of the more, in my opinion, beloved Americans because uh, he's honest and he, he cuts through a lot of the PC BS that has surrounded us for years and years, never more so than now. And um, I don't know. I, I just think Charles is refreshing and continues to be refreshing 20 years later. Mm-hmm. I think he's the most underpaid, under, I don't know if underappreciated is right, but I think he's worth twice what he makes at TNT. I think he's the most valuable person in all of sports media. I've said it before, and I don't think second place is really that close. If he's on, no offense, but if he's off that show, I might watch. You know, I like Shaq, Kenny, Ernie. They're great. But when you have you – know, Charles is a different person. He is a different media person, and, and there really isn't anyone like him. To me, it's like – I don't know. There, there's, I can't compare it. Mm-hmm. Is he your number one pick in the media? Yeah, yeah. If I was starting a, a, a network – I mean, there's guys like, you know, Scott Van Pelt. I would want in my network if I had a blank checkbook. He could do a lot of things for you. Uh, Jim Nance can still do a lot of things for you. We, I think you remember Mario. I teach a class at Sacred Heart. Mario mm-hmm. was in my undergraduate class. We had a network draft, mm-hmm. and we had split the class in two sides, and you picked if you were starting a sports network, who would you take? And like Scott Van Pelt was a top couple pick, and I know Barkley was a top couple pick, and there's lots of other people, but, you know, Barkley does golf. I would put him in the Monday Night Football booth if I owned ESPN. What the hell do I care? He loves football. Yeah. You want to talk about a Monday Night Football booth? Give Charles Barkley twenty million. Yeah, especially with betting now becoming more oh. prevalent. I, I would. You want the Manning cast? It's a fun show. It's really nice. Pop Charles Barkley on one of those. Still, I feel like he's also the only guy in the media who can forget every player on the team and not have it matter at all. That's it. We love like, him that much. No one cares. <laughs> we love him that much. You know, it's like your uncle who's goofy. You know, like a, yeah. he, he'll not, not, not know guys on the Bobcats, but nobody cares. Yeah. It's like better for his brand almost. Yeah. Marv? All right, so if we're doing a BRG draft, who's your number one pick over here? <laughs> oh, wow. Put me on the spot right before I was going to wrap it. <laughs> Mario's coming in last. Let's see. <laughs> for, no, I, I always pick versatility. How, much, how many things can I do with you? Uh, man, this is going to hurt some feelings. We're going to cut in and show everybody. Tyler, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone in the back. You know, Eric's very necessary. Uh, Eric is very necessary to what we do here. Uh, and a lot of stuff he does does not get seen, especially by people watching and listening to the show. Uh, Mario, you picked it up in the past two years like nobody's business. You made yourself very essential, and you've improved everything around us. You know, um, and I don't, th- you know, me, I don't throw out a lot of compliments. No. <laughs> um, I, I would say you two are tied. And uh, Marvin, you do great work. Dylan, you're doing great work. Uh, you, Dylan, you've upped your game from when you came in. I didn't know what exactly you did, except for not wear socks. In the <laughs> but, but you know what? You made yourself essential, like ever, like Rob, the intern. I don't have socks on today either. Actually, I'll throw out compliments <laughs> to everybody. Rob, the intern. Uh, Rob, the production assistant. Back. He's quiet, except when he's talking about the Knicks and stuff. But he does some really good work with these clips during the show. He looks at the rundown and says. I'm going to put a Sandler clip in because of the Chris Rock thing. That's using your head. And, um, you know, Tyler, Tyler does a lot of stuff out here, grunt type work that mm-hmm. may not uh, translate to the normal media. But <laughs> well, we always make that joke like, what's Tyler going to put on his resume at the end of this? What, you, know, you know what? He's going to stay employed for another couple of years. I'll yeah, tell you that so because he's, he's made himself essential. I mean, it, you know, Ray's the new kid. Ray's doing some good work. He comes up with good ideas. And so, but I would say that, uh, Mario and Eric, to me, you're a tie because there's things that you've done over the past few years that a lot of people, especially on air, don't see, but they're necessary. And that's, I look at necessity uh, and, and quality of work and variety of work. So take that compliment as you will. We got Weeks, too. Weeks. Oh, you know, uh, Weeks is, you know, because I, I look at him a little different because he's a cameraman, 
but I shouldn't because he does a lot of little stuff around here. Also, Weeks thinks like a producer, which a lot of camera people don't. Mm-hmm. Weeks will, uh, during the show, he'll look for opportunities to shoot stuff that's important, but he'll also like give me little reminders during the show, and he does it in his own way where like, uh, you know, little things that could be coming up or looking or everything. He's really tight with his game, like cues and things like that. You take a lot of the stuff that for granted when you're like, I guess Weeks is kind of like a cameraman, stage manager, all-purpose production person, but that's a lot to do, and holding that big-ass thing on his body at the same time and not complaining about it, so he's also underrated. I think we ended on that. I mean, what everybody mean? got a compliment. I think, <laughs> did I leave anybody yeah. out? It doesn't get any, any better than that. Yeah, well, I mean, you asked me a direct question, I'll give it to you. I right, love you guys. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Thanks, Paul. That was good. It was good having Paul in. I think he didn't bring you up, though, Marv. Which is like no, well, he know. did, and then which was sorry, Marv. I'll let you put the words in your own mouth, but but then I, I was I found that very interesting because he still kind of classified you as a BRG, but he also glazed over it. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting spot that you're in, and I think that's kind of a feather in the cap of you're still a BRG, not a full Danette. Mm-hmm. Oh no, and I'm completely fine with that because if I can still help out in the back and do the audio for the show and all that, in an all seriousness, I'm not trying to you know. Oh, guys, can you guys just uh, figure it out? You big yeah. timing us now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> handle that audio for me real quick because, you know, <laughs> I'm busy out here during, like, the morning meetings. Like, I'm not going to go out there, yeah. you know, for the morning meeting at 8 when Above the Noise needs to be done. A little inside baseball for everybody. Pe- people have asked about that on, like, social media where they're like, why isn't Marvin out mm-hmm. there for, morning, for the morning meeting? And it's because you're cutting, you know, you're preparing the audio for the show. You're mm-hmm. preparing different sponsorship obligations that we have, so... Yeah, you're yelling at Ray to get you coffee. Ah! <laughs> I don't drink coffee. It's hot chocolate. Okay, vodka. And, and your guts. To be fair, just so we can clear that up, Eric, I think you're more important than me or more necessary than me. You think so? Yeah. No, I don't know. We do different things. We do. Yeah. I, I'm i like a, the glue that makes a bunch of stuff happen that doesn't necessarily get seen, mm-hmm. but is important to Paul's point. You do a lot of stuff that gets seen with social media and the newsletter and helping Dan with some of his other projects. Um, I help with other projects too sometimes, but um, I think we do different things. I would actually put myself probably ahead of both of you. That makes sense. (laughs) That's fair. Right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, Paul's list was pretty good, but that was probably the only thing I'd change. Yeah. Tell everybody why. Um, I don't want to get into too much detail with them. I don't want to brag so much. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm, unlike Mark, I'm pretty humble, dude. Marv. You're stupid. Oh, Dylan, you're right. Dylan is number one, everybody. Don't you ever forget that. Wait, I have something complete non sequitur that I want to bring up, and I meant to do it with, with Paul. How did Todd get away with rhyming Nova and over, over. today? Oh, I, I was like, couldn't I, believe it. And he said it multiple times. It's not like, you know, he glazed over it once and noticed it. He was, like, sticking to that. I was just upset about Matt Stover. I was like, Matt Stover? Who's heard of Matt Stover in 20 years? <laughs> this, what are you I talking mean, about? You didn't play Madden, like, 02. Right. You had no idea who Matt Stover is. This is kind of Todd's, like, playbook, though, is he does an even dumber rhyme, like, previously. <laughs> so then he does one like that, and it doesn't sound as egregious. I don't understand. Like, that. I thought he was going to get pounced on. I think he should lose. Privileges for the Limerick. Limericks, yeah. I think I was gonna I was gonna text Dan in the middle of it. I don't think he was. Oh, well, I got in Marvin's ear. I was trying to get him to say it. I'm like, over Nova, and you didn't bounce. So I was like, ah, oh, come on. Next time, you kind of. I mean, you started the show today with the. 
stuff. Oh man, my elbows got in the way. I was trying to reset the timer for the uh, for the read. <laughs> that was actually an accident. Full transparency. Was, I, that was actually an accident. I I swear on my son. Really? On Lorenzo, oh. not Dylan. I swear on Lorenzo. Always on Lorenzo. I thought that was like completely no, on purpose. But because the uh, <laughs> was he sure if the, he should have right the thing right next to it, the sound right next to it was like uh like game show music. Oh, so like luckily it was on that and not you know game show music because then it would have sounded like. It, it worked. I yeah, mean, yeah. It worked. so it ended up working out. It always, it's always going to work. It, yeah. If you hit the space bar, what happens is it plays the most recently played sound. So that's what it that's was what on. happened. I'm not a, a tech guy, but is there a way to make it so all of the sounds are just that one? Daffy <laughs> <laughs> Duck. That was one of the better. I mean, because we had been talking about it for so long behind the scenes. Oh, my God. And then we told Dan about it, and he was kind of like hinting at it. Yeah. No, and then it, he was like, screw it. Yeah, well, the first time he did it, I think we all fell out of our chairs. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I mean, that, when that happened, Seton walked out of the room. He was I, like, I can't be, I can't be at this. <laughs> I know, but it's been happening for a long time. The first time we said, I think Dan noticed it, but I don't think he really put a ton of like not stock. But he was just like, oh, that's just Todd. And I was like, yeah, but this is crazy. <laughs> that's just what Todd sounds like. I don't know. But see, so people obviously don't get to hear me directing the show, which is probably a good thing. But it's definitely um, a good thing. But every, almost every count I do, I'm like, okay, stand by camera 29, three, two, one, go 29. And everyone, <laughs> everyone at Peacock just thinks you have a speech impediment. <laughs> I can't help myself. Or, or you go, a three, a two. <laughs> a three, a two. Vale. Mark. Hey, but we're starting to get a lot of with Fritzy also. Uh, he's moving. It's, Ooh, I mean, it's going moving. from the S's to the P's. I or mean, the horse. Ooh, it get, look, there's times where I'm over here cackling because I just can't help it because he was just... <laughs> Dude, he, he literally said like Frank the other day and it was like, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably so in his head about everything he I'm says. I'm glad we're helping. <laughs> he's thinking about it as he's on his way to Jersey Mike's. <laughs> Oh my God! He did, did, we talk, did we talk about? No, this? we didn't. Thank yeah. you, Todd. Did they talk about it on there? Did uh, uh, Todd went back to Jersey Mike's after? No, he they did not. Jersey Mike's. No, that's insane. Yeah, so Todd bought like 150 bucks worth of Jersey Mike's for all all of us here, which was great. He did not ask me if I wanted something without cheese, so I didn't get to partake. But no. I hope that you guys all enjoyed Scrub. it. But um, he had so he had ordered a, I guess it's probably an 18 inch sub, right? Because it was cut into threes. And uh, he ate two halves of the tuna, and then he had, and that was at like twelve fifteen Eastern. And he said he had a pickup scheduled at two ten to pick up more tuna subs for himself and the rest of his family. So it's a fascinating insight into Todd. And I don't understand. Like I have issues with, and I know like Crohn's is completely different than lactose intolerance, <laughs> and I don't I'm not trying to compare it. You're but, a like, warrior, Eric. I'm like just don't eat the stuff that upsets your stomach. I don't understand it. Um, I do have to say. After knocking Todd for ordering a tuna sub, because clearly he's the only one who wanted that, I did eat a piece of it. It wasn't bad, I have to say. You did? In Todd's oh defense, I did. I ate a small section of it, and it was actually pretty good. That's not I was just really hungry. I mean, I wouldn't order it. I'm not a weirdo, but. He also did something. It's probably the last thing. I don't know if we should say what he did with the what rewards. 
The boy. The boy. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's clearly a frequent flyer. Yeah, <laughs> yes. he was like, make sure I get these points. Make like, sure I get these six points. emails. Fifteen <laughs> different text like, messages. Todd, you now have sixty five hundred dollars worth of Jersey Mike's credit. <laughs> uh, Todd, the gift that keeps on giving. I think that's all we got this week uh, for Eric McDermott, Marvin the Prince, Dylan the Graphics Guy. Yours truly, my Ariel. We'll see you next week. Have a good weekend, everyone.